Hello and welcome to the Dice of Screaming Podcast. Thank goodness. Hey, I'm Randy. I'm Mike. And together we form the gestalt of the two-headed literary etin of gaming podcasts. That's us, Mike and Randy. <laughs> the eight-pound gorilla in oh. the room of gaming podcasting. Uh, yeah, not an 800-pound gorilla. It's the eight-pound eight gorilla. Pound. Yeah. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> eight pounds of recycled bananas all right yeah and we're flinging it at the walls just for you <laughs> so yeah hey, uh, well, man, everything i know about life i learned from going to the monkey house at the zoo oh yeah yeah life is short so get as many free peanuts as you can get off as much as possible <laughs> whether people are there or not uh-huh. and throw poop at mean people and eventually they'll go away well, all right. Uh, you know, uh, that's, an, that's our education system at work for you. <laughs> yeah, you can, as you can imagine, my prom was, oh, man, that was something else. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, hey, uh, yeah, welcome today. We're doing our podcast thing here. Uh, so, episode 319 goes in the can. Fantasy cities and where to find them. That's right. So thanks for joining us. So we're going to start out by just doing some business here. Uh, usually we get right to work on the Astro Gallimancer, but we're going to leave him for last because we got some things we want to talk about. Preferably uh, starting off with uh, last week's episode. Um, we had to kind of end it quickly, abruptly, bring it to, to a sudden halt. But uh, we got in most of the points, I think. But there were still some that uh, you felt that were lacking, Mike. So, yeah, yeah, I, I honestly feel like I didn't stitch it t- together as well as I could have, and that was uh, partly owed to uh, how surprised I was that we were uh, technically discussing a topic that was a little broader than I had initially imagined. Uh, you know, I, I had my sights set. Uh, in a slightly different direction. So not to mention, it was a very enjoyable conversation. It did not feel like that time went by. I, I had passion on my side. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it flew past me faster than expected. Uh, I'm emotionally letting it go, though. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I accept that... Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, there's there's nothing gained by wool gathering over it. I'm like, oh, I failed. I, I didn't thread it as neatly as I could have. All right. Well, here, I'm just going to come out and say that while there's always room for bonus content, it's a difficult topic to talk about outside of the realm that setting the stage for how IP ownership is now being contested as something that we should voluntarily give up on the behalf of corporations is what makes us just kind of rankle it raises our hackles and it also makes us laugh so but. yeah across the board uh, i mean i think the one thing that was very clear is my disapproval uh, of uh mediums that you have no ownership stake in i just you know i cannot state strongly enough that there is not a single consumer in the marketplace who should be encouraged uh, by companies going mm-hmm. in the direction of you don't own it, but you do pay for it. Um, where like you're a tenant farmer in gaming and like everything <sighs> is rent. Yeah. Okay. You, you never own anything. You always rent everything and you never have any money left. Uh, 
and you have nothing to show for the money that you have spent. Unacceptable in every possible sense. Uh, basically a giant plantation of the imagination wherein you are the surf class and all you do Yikes. is like you, I go out and I mine the imagination fields and I'm, I'm permitted just enough for sustenance, but the great masters up there on the hill, they get 99.9% of what I have you know, uh, produced. Yeah, garbage. That is an absolute garbage system. Uh, the last thing the world of intellectual properties needs is a new feudalism. Because the old one sucked for everybody. <laughs> there is no point in creating another. Uh, yeah, I, if that seems a little extreme, I, I honestly think I'm understating the case. Because <laughs> uh, uh, where we suffer a dearth of imagination is imagining how crappy the people who present these things to us really are. Yeah, they are. They are that bad. They are that bad. Yeah, worse even. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that yeah. gives us enough uh, recap yeah. on touch touch back on that. Uh, I like that wool gathering over that. But, uh, there's always some value in gazing at your navel, but not for very long. <laughs> I mean, you need to yeah. know where your limitations are, and once you've established that, yeah, I need to improve that. Move on. I yeah, I, I put a little closing seal on it uh, the best I can there. I, I, I got the I got the spleen vented. <laughs> I, I let the bile out. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I do feel we got the major points across. I just didn't get to uh, have the end meet the beginning, you know, close the circle kind of feeling. I, mm. I lacked closure. So, mm. all right, now I got my closure. There you go. So uh, another thing we need to talk about, and we kind of briefly made some mention about it, was the uh, <clears throat> little tempest in a tea kettle that is in our uh, particular uh, corner of the hobby niche, which is uh, the whole um, Tencent was going to buy D&D hoax, which was on behalf of a AI aggregator in China that passed it to a Chinese financial group that ended up getting picked up by comic book resources and then uh, made the rounds and then was picked up by Business Insider and then went to Forbes. And uh, yeah, it blew up virally because uh, a podcaster and also a member of the gaming community from Roll for Combat, Stephen Gleicher, had made a YouTube video and it was beat for beat almost everything he said from that initial press release of how. Learning Studios could acquire the D&D property through auspices of Tencent, which, of course, mentioning anything Chinese to these AI aggregators that just comb relentlessly through all search engines, transcripts, it picked that up. And then uh, app, and the reason why it made the rounds is because it seemed like it was very sensibly put together because it was. It was actually articulated and formulated from the mind of a real human versus a AI chatbot that... <laughs> strings together just hopes like you know michael scott fashion that it stumbles to the next word properly yeah yeah we we attract sight hits by stringing together series of words that we think people might be interested in uh, <laughs> just yeah uh you cannot trust that which you find on the internet the reason we didn't give it a full and thorough discussion last week is because it was evident even then that there was kind of a cloud of mystery floating around the entire topic uh, that 
like sourcing where this information came from and verifying it was almost impossible. So we kind of just kept our mouths shut just long enough to watch the dust settle, you know, and literally it settled within a couple of days as people backtracked their way through the, the internet channels <laughs> and came to the conclusion, oh, there's no there there. Right. Uh, they took somebody's opinion, which was yeah. stated as an opinion, not as a fact. Or Yeah, no one was being disingenuous. It's just that the internet did that thing it does, which is grab it, run with it. This guy said this thing over here, and obviously it sounds pretty like prudent. And, and yeah, because he was going off. How could uh, Hasbro sell off the D&D IP without compromising the whole product? And he was talking from a, a particular view of like how Marvel had sold off part of his properties to Sony, to Universal. Yeah, and, and this was a what-if scenario. Or 20th century and Fox. He never, he never created he never made a statement that indicated this was anything other than a what if scenario. This is, it was purely a theoretical discussion. It's amazing that it went so far out of control the way it did. Uh -huh. Yeah. And when it got back to him, he was like, wow, it's like I predicted the future. No, 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 you did not predict the future. They basically took your entire speech lock, stock and barrel and very every uh, word and uh, paragraph and just transposed it from a transcript into Chinese and then back and forth, which gave it an appearance. Of course, it still used his name, Stephen Glicker, from this uh, source, uh, Roll for Combat, producer of these products, said this on this date, and this is what it looks like the market coin strategy is. And they would add a few words to it. And boy, it, it just, it is kind of indicative, though, of the age of preposterousness that we live in with AI now running amok and basically making news for us. I mean, it's bad enough with the search engines. I mean, the search engines are almost useless now, except for the most bare bones stuff. If you wanted to get intricate and use them like you used to, to look up source uh, material, uh, article sources, it's possible. Yeah, wildly obfuscated uh, by literally a crap ton of AI crap. Because it'll put what it thinks you want to see in front of you. And that's been happening for a long time. They're like, oh, yeah, I would have told you this was happening. But and as the algorithms get just a little bit better and a little bit better every year, the results that would be meaningful and impartial keep getting harder and harder to acquire. So, yeah, now, thanks a lot. Broke the Internet. It's piece of crap now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's funny you say that in the age of Redditors. Yeah. <laughs> Redditors, yeah. Okay. Well, well, who do you think helped make it a piece of crap? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I, I know I'm getting like of brigaded. all the things that died on the interwebs that like we miss from like over the last twenty years, <laughs> like that had to be one of the things that lived. <laughs> just like a toenail fungus that just will not go away. Oh, but I get a lot of good stuff off Reddit. Yeah, you know what? Um, one time I needed to know the uh, air search radar of a F-42C Phantom in Vietnam. I got an answer <laughs> by using Reddit. Okay, it, there's somebody out there that will give you some information. You know, I was like, you know, you know, they said it the range was 60 miles, but what, since it's declassified, what is the real range? 
Oh, dude, it was like 90 miles. And, you know, it was great if they could have used it, but rules of engagement. We had that signed conversation. So, yeah, but the nice thing is Reddit can, it, it's useful. I know I'm going to get brigaded by a few of my friends on Reddit. Like, damn, dude. Did you really have to have it in our faces like that? Yes. Yes, I did. Well, uh, all right. I, I suppose I should be a little gentler. It's a two-edged sword, okay? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Reddit, Reddit is... Um, all right. All right. I hope you'll forgive me because this is going to be just a little bit off color. But uh, it is like getting laid. But then you have to have that awkward moment where you figure out what that red rash is on your junk. Oh, um, no. Two days later. I, you know, <laughs> and you can't be sure. Maybe it was just chafing. Okay. Could have been just got chafing. It, maybe you got a little excited. Or, or over enthusiastic. It could be right? something else. But yeah, you know, like it's a mixed bag. I, I'll give I'll give them some credit where it's due. You're not wrong, man. I'm with you, buddy. So now uh, we'll go to the happy news segment of our opener. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Champions uh, is having a humble bundle where you can go and get some of their classic Champions uh, 1, 2, and 3, first, second, and third edition stuff. Uh, it is out there. You can get... Uh, all the enemies, one through five, plus enemies international. Yeah. So if you want to see some of the classic champions, villains presented in those enemy books. And I highly recommend a champions game. Uh, just for under 30s. Bundle of fun. Yeah, uh, 30 bucks. You get. Uh, are you sick of like the 300th iteration Marvel movie? Uh, you're a little burned out on going to the movies for your superhero fix. Start a champions campaign. Build your own. Yeah. Do something more awesome and more better than the stuff that you like. <laughs> the leftovers. <laughs> the Ancient android and Nighthawk prowl the central city once again. Ah. Keeping it free of crime. Yeah, I know. Night, Nighthawk, lame dude. Yeah, I like Batman. Sorry. So sue me. Batman Ancient Moon Knight. Android. Yeah. The Superman. Anyway. So, yeah, so we got uh, we got that out of the way. We want to talk about that. And now it's on back to business, folks. Back to your regularly scheduled programming. It's time to consult the Astra Gallimancer for our next episode. What lays in store for us, Astra Gallimancer? Tell us. Rayo, tell us. Cool. He doesn't actually know. <laughs> He's forgotten already. Oh, He's exhausted. Oh, all right. He's exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. He, he, he's still hung over from the flight times. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, DM as craftsman. Oh, all right. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally 20 minutes ago is yeah. a blank spot. Now. <laughs> it's, 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 it's gone. Yeah, we had the, the discussion gone. and then it disappeared from my brain forever. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Swiss cheese. All right, ought to be, but but yeah, we'll be talking about Diems's craftsmen. Uh, the elements that constitute crafting as a DM. Okay, the the specific things, the types of skill sets that a DM has to possess, or at least has to work on building, and. It's quite a list, okay? There's so many facets to what DMing is that, you know, whatever walk of life you come from, it's 
a really uphill battle. Uh, and I know that there are some folks who are uh, a little displeased that there are these hyper excellent examples out there like Critical Role where they're, they're showing like some really top tier voice talent and creatives. Uh, and that sets an unfair bar for what a DM should be. I, I accept that, but there is also the benefit of an example finally existing to help people figure out what to aim for. Uh, and circa the 1970s, we didn't have that. That like there was no resource to turn to except to encounter another DM, see what they did, to you know go to a con, uh, and you know like be a player, and then witness it firsthand. It was, was a it. little bit like a hodge to go to a convention because there yeah. you would see from your learned elders. It and was, sit in their company and absorb their wisdom. Yeah, it was a pilgrimage. Uh, you know, we made our trip to the Mecca <laughs> in Wisconsin. Uh, and we got to see gaming uh, in the place of its near birth. Uh, so I am enthused by the resources that would-be DMs have available to them now. I am not disappointed or crunchy about that. I am thrilled and the DM as a craftsperson is an episode that is going to be about the skill sets that they have to acquire and make use of. Uh, and, and DMing as a dis discipline is, yeah. is another way to put this. It's like it's a form of artistic expression that is also like it, it is science and art in the same package. Uh, you know, and without one of those, you, you cannot separate them. You it's must a lot like both. being a musician in a lot of ways. Yeah, you've got to have the math and you've got to have the passion. Uh, like the cold logic and the wild inflamed passion. They have to exist in the same space. Without either one of those things, the whole process falls apart. Right? You, you can theoretically do it without any passion, but it lacks that certain something. And you can try to do it with all passion and no science and math. But if you do, that certain something will be lacking. It must be like this Frankenstein's monster uh, of both elements combined. So that's, yeah, as you can see, I, I am enthused, even though I had a blank spot moment. Uh, but yeah, we will be talking about that next week. All right. Well, I'll look forward to it. I'll, I'll be here, but... Uh... Hopefully uh, you will too, and we'll get that out in a while. So, all right, time time to tune in and drop out. Yeah, that's right. Time to go to Lakeshore Drive for a trip into the ephemeral, the ethereal, and the unseen. No, okay, so I'm channeling some pirate uh, radio station from Chicago back in the day. Okay, that explains the Lakeshore Drive reference. I was like, LSD. Oh, Lakeshore Drive. Time to go to Lakeshore Drive. Tune in. Tune out. <laughs> All right. All right. Tune in. Drop out. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about the fantasy cities and where to find them. And this was one that we've talked about fantasy cities before. And just like uh, the topic here, just kind of close that. Fantastical cities and where to find them. Just like DMs as craftsmen, we always like to go back and revisit the DM meta. Because it, it needs to. It needs to be retreated and uh, rehashed and brung up anew. Because we get new listeners as well as old lessons have to be retaught. 
it, it is constantly a discipline. But Fantasy Cities, we've covered before. It was in a previous episode long ago that we talked about in fantasy campaigns that you need a central massive city. We've talked about like uh, the fantasy cities like Minas Tirith, um, Pandathaway from the Guardians of Flame, lesser known. But what was the one in Belgaria? I forgot that one. I was look, trying to look it up the other night, but I don't have any David Eddings novels. I don't know what happened to them. Oh, terrible. man. Yeah, terrible. Terrible fate that has befallen me. Um, oh, I don't remember the single mega city, but... Uh, I thought there was one. Was it Murgos? Oh, well, I mean, uh, the the capital city of the bad guys uh, was Shithol Murgos. Shithol Murgos. Uh, um, the demon king of Karandas. Whereas the island kingdom of Riva. Yeah, or yeah. Riva. Or all the uh, fantasy campaigns that we've talked about, including like Isle of Purple Towns from the Young Kingdoms um, to Aqualonia, the uh, oh, of yes. Conan. Um, the proto European esque mega city that, you know, was the shining example of civilization. Yeah, it's all that Western civilization could produce, all that was good and noble in them, was in one city. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, right. But we've had plenty of literary examples. But the ones we're going to talk about are some products of imagination from TSR and ones that have come about from other game companies, but primarily from TSR. And uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a little nod to the City State of the Invincible Overlord from Judges Guild because that was very influential. Um, I had a copy uh, from a used a used copy from uh, a cheap bin, ah. but it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't as impressed with it at the time. Not that I paid full price for it, but you know they would give like a location, uh, an NPC name maybe the proprietor of the place or whatever, and maybe a, a monster, a secret. And then the rest was up to you, which seemed like pretty chintzy to me. But for some people, that was a big thing. Um, I probably would have loved it because, I mean, that, that smacks of the uh, protean uh, Forgotten Realms treatment that uh, Ed Greenwood did, where like he, he gave you some hints, some rumors, some allegations. Uh, like, you know, there is said to be. You know, and then leaves a lot of the details, the tiny little stuff, you might as well fill that all in by yourself because, you know, you're on your own. Uh, but there was well, a, right, lot, of, but a with, lot of bait. He, he threw a lot of chum in the water, and I loved that. But in comparison to places like, uh, oh, uh, Griffin Island, or uh, Mountain, some of the areas around there. If I wanted if I wanted to create the detail myself, I'd just do the darn thing myself. I wouldn't need this. But, uh, I, you know... Whatever you want to put it. If you really like City City of the Invincible Overlord because of its sparsity of detail, sure, that's a great thing. For me, it was uh, a bigger detraction because now this is yet another thing I have to spend time on. I wanted to spend money to gain some time. There wasn't really all that much there for me to really uh, get, my, uh, get my creative juices flowing or to excite me about it. But that would change with another product. And so here we go where the link to the old meets, at that time, the new, which was Lankmar City of Adventure, which we have a copy right here, which was a very nice example of what was available at the time. And uh, basically, it came in a kind of a, I want to say a softback, but it had a nice spine on it. Uh, definitely a large 
uh, area. But it only uh, had about 99 locations, according here, that uh, was on there. I would, I'll take their word for it. We'll <laughs> flip into it. But uh, had a couple of adventures in it. Um, <laughs> I got 99 locations, but they changed one. It covers 100 NPCs, which is good, including stats for Pathfinder and the Grand Mouser. Which, you know, they were already from deities and demigods, but uh, had a nice color map that you could pull out and show people. And it also had module locations where the DM could just randomly roll in that area of what it was. There were various tables for low uh, class neighborhoods to high end neighborhoods, and you would make work of it what you could. Um, it, you basically, Lankmar was a crowded city. If you looked at the map, there was so much openness to just detailing if you wanted a shop that sold poisons in a specific value ones that could be ingested under the guise of an, a healer well you could insert that shop there the and uh that was one that i uh, basically stole whole cloth from a book yeah they didn't overpack it uh to right. such a degree that your creativity was like verboten like yep yeah there's there's no you couldn't wedge another building in here no, there are ways to make use of this material while inserting some of your own creativity. But it, uh, it, it wasn't prohibitive. The AD&D gaming system into a fully urban environment, uh, the counter tables on here, although scaled to Lankmar, can easily be re-imposed on what was available in the DM's guide for a typical fantasy city. And so for me, it was often a stand-in for City of Greyhawk. Yeah. Uh, because we didn't have it at the time. That would come a little bit later, but it also had like a social class uh, cast system that you had to level up in as you went through. So who you were, how you dressed, and how you presented yourself was just as important as your stats and armor class. Because getting into certain neighborhoods and you know, not being hassled by the cops <laughs> was important. Uh, or being from the wrong neighborhood and being recognized as a never-do-well uh, was not a thing you wanted, because uh, frankly, <laughs> if the only time you ever come up town is to rob some houses of wealthy merchants, sooner or later, people start to notice a trend. Like, yeah, yeah, the, this, this bunch, you know, whenever they come through that gate, <laughs> uh, somebody in this neighborhood loses some stuff. <laughs> the giant ancient ivory statue of, uh, like uh, the elephant god uh, uh, disappeared uh, last weekend when you visited. A week before that, it was uh, the yeah, <laughs> the star uh, of Corolla. Yes, yeah, the the priceless gem that uh, was the centerpiece of someone's personal collection disappeared the other weekend that you showed up here. Oh, <laughs> the ancient and beloved tapestry. <laughs> uh, the weekend before that, when you visited. Yeah, they get to yeah. picture. Yeah. So, well, yeah, but that's why you work under an alias. Anyway, <clears throat> nonetheless. Welcome um, to Lankmar. Yeah, Lankmar. City of Thieves. City of Thieves, yep. And this is the old stuff. This was formulated well in the late 40s, throughout the 50s. Lankmar was the centerpiece of Fritz Lieber's eponymous uh, dual characters. And I would make an argument that to early proto-gamers of the 70s, uh, the writings of Fritz Lieber were very much as influential as J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, yeah, uh, and, and Robert E. Howard. Huge impact, like right up there with Conan and Frodo, you get Fafford and Grey Mouser. 
they're just that important. So, yeah, this is one of the great cities of all time. Yeah, and the dungeon geomorphs, or dungeon, the um, urban geomorphs that are included in here, because there's large blocks that are just like these uh, little gray areas that you have to use the urban geomorphs for. Um, it makes each time that you go into the city a unique experience, which and lends the authenticity that you never truly know this place. It's so vast a scale. So, yep, Lankmar is where we're going to open it up. And, yeah, as Mike just reminded me, you know, we have to look at the timer here. It's coming up on a break. So, yeah, expect some bonus content coming on here. And we're going to take a quick break and get back into it. So, hopefully, you guys stick around. All right. All right. And we're back. So, hey, thanks for sticking around. Talking about fantasy cities and where to find them. <laughs> uh, well, and now we're turning to the Forgotten Realms, uh, the products of Ed Greenwood. And uh, I know everybody's talking about Baldur's Gate right now, okay, because that's like big time gaming. <clears throat> However, uh, number one with a bullet, we're going to reference Waterdeep. Now, like I, there are a number of cities in the Forgotten Realms that have been well covered, uh, both in video games and at least marginally in uh, books, but none as extensively as Waterdeep. It is one of the great gamer cities of like this more modern era of gaming. Uh, Waterdeep and the North was terrific. And the city systems uh, supplement uh, of Forgotten Realms, specifically Waterdeep and like, oh, here are, here is a giant toolkit for the crafting of cities, uh, which the that city systems box set, boy, say that six times really. Yeah, fast. city systems box set, city systems. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, back in the late 80s, uh, the Gray Box Grand Realms came out and they came out with these little uh, source books. This was called FR1. It was the first one released. It was Water Deep in the North and it features on there the. Uh, Keith Sad. Parkinson cover with the drow feeding flanks of uh, buttered chimera steak to the, I forget his name, the, the great... Uh, Xanathar. Xanathar, yeah, the great beholder crime lord at the center of Waterdeep. Yeah, we're deep below Waterdeep. Uh, <laughs> the crime boss. Uh, man, I, and that has continued to be classic lore for Waterdeep to this day. Uh, the The intricate nature of competing factions and the unusual nature like there's no reason that a monster can't be reasonable about running a criminal organization because if you're too heavy-handed eventually adventurers come knocking and tear you apart but if you're smart about it <laughs> yeah the tendrils of your operation can spread out yes unchecked. this beholder xanathar was well detailed in his expositions of how he maintained his murderous impulses by the fact that, you know, one thing with criminals, they always, they always mess up. They always disappoint him to some extent. And then his need for sadistic outbursts is completely justified. Rival gang, sometimes he'll take to the streets himself. Of course, there are no witnesses. They're oh, all yeah. disintegrated. <laughs> no disintegrations with this guy. No, it's no, there are going no. to be disintegrations. There will be disintegrations. It's not. <laughs> Can we take that option off the table? 
Oh my. Okay. okay. All right, big guy. You got. Yes, sir. Yes, Disintegrations. Sir. It is. But here we are on the part uh, situated on the Sword Coast. Waterdeep is the titular city. It's the largest metropolis in the north. Uh, Kalisham, I believe, is actually bigger. Uh, in terms of being a city, yes. But in the uh, Grand Realms, there, there are a few cities that are bigger. There's one in Karatur that's even more massive. Um, but this has a population of about 100,000. For the very popular Sword Coast, which has. It has captured a lot of imaginations because uh, at the time it was also the, the cities were the cities there, uh, Waterdeep, Baldur's Gate, uh, Silvery Moon, Neverwinter, mm-hmm. uh, and of course the novelizations that involved Chris de Worden, uh, Brunar Battlehammer, you know, that they focused on areas even further north uh, and then drifted south and intersected with some of these now legendary famous cities, including Waterdeep, which is continually referenced. Uh, So yeah, they have, you know, whether the size of the city is the the largest or not, the popularity of these cities is off the charts. So in gamer terms, they are all well known. Right. And so this book was about 64 pages of which of course included not only its history, had a fold up map in the uh, cover uh, which, of course, had the sewers. A sewer runs through it, and if it doesn't, something's wrong. Yeah, and it also had a map of Waterdeep uh, with its various districts, and then it uh, went into a very detailed three-panel paragraph-by-paragraph breakdown that was more than just... it was The illustrations were pretty sparse back in those days, but this one seemed to be more fitting because that um, fake papyrus or vellum texture that they gave to the pages lended itself like you were reading a book of lore. So it wasn't so distracting, like just black and white page after page of just yeah uh, lore dumps. And Here. I admit, like there is no real time value. Like there's no difference between the information that was on the page when it was on black and white and the difference of the, you know, like the information on the page when it's in the vellum parchment type, uh, you know, text uh, and background. There is no difference to the structure, but I found it aesthetically so pleasing. It I, is. Just like looking like I know. I, I, when I look at those old, it is pure gut reaction. I own it. Those original Forgotten Realms books, those flat books, it's just, you can't beat it. Yeah. The minute they went away from using the, the vellum texture uh, and like scroll appearance, uh, and the sales dropped off, which should have been a warning shot. Yeah. Now, it talks a lot about the well, history. We're not going to bore anybody there. If you're familiar with it, you already know. If you don't, hey, you're in for a treat. The one thing's always intrigued me about Waterdeep was the mask lords of Waterdeep. They um, all wore masks. Nobody knew their true identities. They were all like superheroes. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> because you were the target. High power adventurers, but it's painting a target on your back to be a lord of Waterdeep. And so like the masked lords, it basically means, you know, like nobody's supposed to know, uh, you know, when somebody ascends to one of this like lordship, uh, you know, positions, this is for their own protection. You know? Yeah. Especially if you have families or alliances that might be compromised or would compromise your integrity by their being threatened or taken captive. 
So there's a whole uh, batch of that. There's a lot of NPCs. And of course, 64 pages sounds short, but let me tell you that information density is massive on this one. So yeah, this was not a collection of pictures and just a few words in between them. This, like, as Randy mentioned, it was text heavy. Uh, it's not that no illustrations were provided, but it, you know, the focus was on delivering as much information about cities and what they had in them. Now, this was also an incalculably valuable experience for young DMs uh, because you were getting more so than in the age of Greyhawk, uh, a completely fleshed out look uh, at cities, you know, a, a more right. Waterdeep gave you a chance to see a much more carefully uh, documented like street by street, block by block, section by section, uh, breakdown of cities. Yeah, it was painted with a broad brush so that you could get this could, area's uh, general focus, its vibe. The hospitality area, the gates of Waterdeep were mostly filled with uh, taverns, taprooms. They say, you know, more men have died in the taprooms than have died in the entire sieges of Dragonspear Castle. Yeah, they ain't wrong. Yes, all them cities they're dangerous. You might want to take this here sword. Be careful with it. I live in here. It'll be the death of me. It's a sword of sharpness, but be careful. The last guy I gave this to cut his own buttocks off. I seen him last year ago, and he said he hadn't sit down for twenty five years. So be careful with this sword. All right, yeah, you have to go in there with the idea that yeah, you you know, okay, it's a dangerous city. There's that kind of urban darkness that's in present in Lankmar. You may not want to have your low-level characters hanging out outdoors at night. Yes. Because not everything is your level. However... And a lot of it is here. <laughs> yeah, there, this is a place, if you go looking for trouble, you will find it. So, nonetheless, though, um, there's a lot of uh, detail in here. And this, on its own, the city, uh, the water deep in, in the north, which it spends most of its time talking about water deep, it does talk about the environs and other areas out there. It gives you some rough maps for almost every place. You could run a fantasy city off this, and Mike, you said that this was all you needed. Yeah. But I... it was meant to be a companion to another Forgotten Realm uh, city system, which was uh, had the uh, It was an orange box which stood out in anybody's collection, especially next to the gray box, which had a uh, apparently a female vampire stalking off from it in. And that pretty much said it right there. Uh, yeah, you, vampires, mind players, rakshasas, they were all to be found here since uh, the, then they, the rakshasas are sinister in this in this one. Um, it has a lot of, to offer this one. This was not only uh, meant to be a companion to Waterdeep, this was how you ran the city itself. And it used the kind of mod uh, urban geomorph system that was in Lankmar, but to better effect, it also included... Um, Tons of new uh, monsters had a little monster compendium in it for city adventures, as well as um, we talked about the Sea of Fallen Stars and had, you know, over, looks over here like about uh, almost three dozen different types from places like uh, Marioff's Fine Silk uh, to Fantilar's Filters and Components. You know, you had little businesses like that that had a little bit of color detail to it, as well as the uh, details of the uh, guild halls, inns, taverns, nightclubs, and fest halls, like the Maiden's Tears, the Pampered Traveler, and the Wandering Weemig. 
Um, oh, and that's just a handful. Yeah, they, we're talking like there's just an abundance of stuff here. Uh, templates for residents. So if you were you needed a map of a merchant, instant. Yeah, uh, the city system uh, provided so much. Uh, fill in the blanks yourself. Like uh, you may use this for any purpose, but here is a template that you can quickly apply to this type of circumstance. As well as the Here's hard an inn. details. Here is yep. a tiny CD tavern. Here is a temple. I, like Just whatever you needed, it had it. Uh, this it, was a huge leap forward in an era where the game was expanding in terms of usership and more DMs were being needed. Like in order to, you know, keep playing, uh, or well, to in order to keep expanding, there there must be more DMs in order to like meet the needs of more players. Uh, so as it's expanding outwards, the tools were needed for a lot of new arrivals. Uh, I, I'm not saying that like any standard salty old DM can't fill in all the blanks themselves. Absolutely can. Uh, right, but if you notice so. back when I talked about the city-state of the Invincible Overlord, where you didn't have much detail and you had to make it up on yourself, this one provided not only the ability to put in your own areas, use templates that were just like, I just need a basic map, but also provide you with different maps, like the Red Sails Warehouse. Like, okay, I would never have sat out and designed a warehouse. It seems kind of mundane, and it you know pretty much speaks for itself. But each one of these warehouses, and there's like almost two dozen at least are all different from one another have different magical and mundane traps and protections as well as physical security and magical security put in there so yes they have dealt with thieves for thousands or for uh, literally uh, hundreds of years now yeah. just because you're an eighth level your eighth level thief has hit almost name level and you're looking to make a mark for yourself you ain't going to get it by just making a couple moves silently as in a pick lock well yep nope you're going to have to really think your way through this because uh, you are not the first person to get the right idea to rob this warehouse <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and in addition providing several templates for large medium and small warehouses also in fact i mean you'll be lucky if like they don't actually have a dude with a wand of lightning bolts <laughs> hiding in the safe that you you know finally crack after going through the, oh you think just, we're kidding just pop <laughs> No! You know, they hire a third-level mage teaching the command word for this wand of lightning for six with six charges. And they... they Don't tune. worry, we've got a little vent on the top of the safe. You know, like the, There's little air holes. We've left you a sandwich and some crackers. And a bucket. Yep. So uh, there's some shredded newspaper. And... <laughs> so yeah, and then the, the, the uh, temples, the House of Heroes, which you can guess who that's to. Torm and... Uh, oh gosh. Uh, Tyr. Ah, yes. Torment here. Uh, House of Inspired Hands uh, for the monks, the ladies' hands. Uh, Shrine of Sylvanas for the druids. We thought about you guys. And just so many locations. The city system not only fleshes out what was in the water deep in the north source book, this puts it right into your hands. So with these two together, you have an exquisitely detailed fantasy city system that will keep I mean, literally, it's inexhaustible. Yeah, you can... I would recommend to gamers today to, like, get a copy of this, uh, even if by necessity, like, some of it has to be PDF, mm -hmm. uh, and then you blow it up and print it out yourself. I recommend it still, because wherever you are, whatever your campaign is, even if you're doing a home-created campaign, 
uh, making use of that toolkit will empower you as a creative. Huge fan. So can't say enough. You know, I'm just going to close it out. That's our big meat and potatoes for, for that one. Yeah, it, it's an overview. It's a recommendation. It's a hearty one. It's We're just not kidding. I mean, yes, first edition, you're not playing first edition anymore. Look, um, you can strip the stats off it because it's pretty bare bones as stats go. I mean, a mind player is a mind player in any edition, right? Yeah. So you know what the stats <laughs> for now. Are. Fair enough. You know what the stats are and where to look them up, right? Right. So we're that's all you really need. Now the rest of it, it's just lore. It's it's exposition. It's extemporaneous. <laughs> it's just what it is right in front of you. Um, Similar yet legally distinct, the face huggy mind you know, uh, brain muncher. <laughs> face huggy brain muncher. Okay. Um, <laughs> I get. I get. No, I don't. We call them mind slayers and. Uh, Pathfinders, so there you go. Yes, come at us. You can't stop me from making my own mind player. School biter. Mind slayers. What were we just yeah, mind slayers. To me. The Slayers Metal. All right. School um, homers. They also came up with one for a second edition. I think it deserves a uh, I hated the cover on that. That's just that's not a Kyron. But whatever is that is on that cover, that's you know. It's a terrible thing. They, they, they had a little trouble communicating to the artist uh, the concept of the Kyrene. But it does have um, the campaign guide cover uh, guide, which is pretty thick. The who's who in Waterdeep and then the City of uh, Splendors, the adventurous guide that you can hand out to players. I always like that cover with, uh, yeah, Elmore, the two young, naive adventurers being beckoned into an alley by apparently some type of cloaked figure. And then, of course, there's this snarling knoll in the corner <laughs> waiting to pounce on them. So I like that. Um, this is a pretty good box, um, despite my uh, uh, protestations in the cover art. It, it is fairly laid out. Uh, it talks about a lot of stuff. So it's second edition. Um, it is well. Uh, that box is pretty deep. And it's all got four books and a lot of other uh, little doodads and handouts. Yeah, so, it's not like they didn't go all out. Uh, you know, the the truth is that as they had you know, moved everything to second edition, there were a lot of game mechanics that had come into play that had not existed at the time of the publication of the first edition stuff. I still contend that the city system, of course, is something that... Uh, stands the test of time and is usable in any scenario and any system. Uh, so it, it has that virtue. However, this, it was not a crappy offering. No, it wasn't. This was, this was good material. Yeah, despite um, the inner stuff on it, it's well laid out, presented. It has uh, several adventures and ideas. It's just yeah, not a as... a lot of new material. You know, and so it puts it in perspective of what it is. But those are two... Uh, offerings that are physical products that you can adventure in and use. But now we're going to turn it to a different one, which is, uh, as I gave an honorable mention to the City State of the Invincible Overlord, we're going to talk about Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter. And Oh, no, I, I, I would really like to hit Absalom. I think it's too big of a topic. Oh. Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter, I, I'll make this short. Uh, these have been better explored in video games. Mm -hmm. uh, and... For this reason, they exist in people's minds, and they're very specific locations, uh, you know, like the Elf Song Tavern in Baldur's Gate, mm -hmm. and like 
all of these. Ah, my room's as clean as an elephant's arse. Oh, uh, yeah, candle, <laughs> candle keep. Yeah, going to candle keep. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the guy who ran the inn. Oh, man, he was a barrel of laughs. Uh, just. <laughs> um, but yes, yes. Uh, there are a number of locations that the Baldur's Gate video games have made permanently famous that they're etched into people's memory because of those games, uh, games from like 20 plus years ago, games from like 12 or 15 years ago. And then of course, more recently, uh, games from this year that have blown the F up uh, and conquered them interwebs. Um, Ooh, loving it. Uh, still, still having a great time. So yeah, <laughs> the, the continually expanding content is a little frustrating. That like, oh, geez, I got to do a whole other playthrough because like that's three chapters back. Ah! Ah. You sound so heartbroken. <laughs> well, oh, well, you're gonna force me to play a video game. Okay. Yeah, but I would love to have like been through that encounter before. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a, I, I can't take this character back in time three chapters and go do that. Uh, without like wiping all those saves. <laughs> so yeah, uh, in any case, they've been properly immortalized. I, I feel like I just wanted to give them honorable mention because Neverwinter from the Neverwinter Nights series and of course, Baldur's oh, Gate. Oh yeah, Neverwinter's Nights. I mean, look, you can just steal those ideas whole cloth, translate them on in the stats for the tabletop and you're off to the races because most of the players will already have the physical imagery in mind. So you don't have to spend a whole lot of time conjuring up a whole narrative to give to your players. You can use just like from Candlekeep. That one just, every time I heard it, just made me chuckle. And I was like, okay, I, I'll take it right on it. I mean, I, <laughs> my rooms are cleaner than an elves and arse. What the? <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> Thanks for taking me there. I love the flaming fist guys. All like their opener. They always said the exact same thing on approach. I am the law. <laughs> Just, oh my god. Shut up. Uh, but yes, all the video game stuff has been done in the Forgotten Realms. I think it's left by the wayside and forgotten about. So that's why I wanted to give it a revisit yeah. because it's it's an important stuff. We can they also are legendary cities. And they have been fleshed out in video format. Uh, so a lot of people, uh, it, much of the material was drawn directly from text. Yeah. So uh, whether people have gamed it at a table or gamed it at a computer, uh, they have a frame of reference for a lot of the locations, a lot of the major figures, things like that. A lot of the legendary and lore, it's common knowledge. So we, we include them as honorable mention next to Waterdeep. Yeah, it resonates with a lot of players. And, um, hey, while we're on there, I'm just going to give a brief mention to the old SSI games. The uh, uh, Yeah, Azure Bonds. Uh, cool yeah. Radiance, uh, Hills yeah. Far. Those were all Forgotten Realms areas that were fleshed out through the video game. I forget what the name of, what was it, Fandelver? Oh, my gosh. That lost, was in... Uh, lost Mine. Yeah, the city there. Uh, anyway, yeah, the city uh, escapes me at the moment. I mean, I've got the whole internet to answer me, but yeah, I'll, it'll torment me for the time being. And so, check Reddit. <laughs> check Reddit, bro. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, whatever this uh, city was in there, that was completely created for them, and uh, they were given their uh, the people at SI were given their full clearance. Like, hey, whatever you develop here, we're going to canonize. And it was kind of nice synergy. It, it did well before we had the uh, synergy of game studios working hand in hand with uh, other developers. This was the time where, hey, that whole era where uh, video games were in their infancy and they needed a good place to base their games and develop their material in, they turned to role-playing games for their source. It, it returned back, you know, from where oh. Wizardry and Ultima had came from. Yeah. And it returned back to the Wizardry story. and Ultima. Oh, my gosh. Ultima. Yeah, you've given me such flashbacks. Yeah, I was just watching one. Uh, we'll take a moment out here to extemporate that. It was remember that uh, when they killed Lord British, he had that... <laughs> Remember, he was like, he appeared, quote unquote, in person, you know, like his character was there. And somebody forgot to turn the invulnerability off. And so they cast like a wall of fire or some shit like that right in front of him. And it started killing people. And they're like, wait, what's happening? And he's like giving his speech, blah, 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 blah. And suddenly his character dies. And then the developers just started summoning demons (laughs) into the area to kill people who had absolutely nothing to do with this, you know, to punish people. And of course, it was canonized, but, uh, yeah, that that was a whole thing. I was reading about that and I was like, oh my gosh, I remember that. That created waves. Like, yeah, one of the mods sleep at the switch. Well, sorry. Well, speech. Yeah, I'm going to lay down. Put my head down on the computer now. It's, it's, a, it's like a DJ who just put on like a 20 minute uh... <laughs> Pink Floyd dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're just going to let this run. And I got, I, I'm putting on uh, Rush 2112, and I'm taking a nap. So, <laughs> Johnny Fever, don't touch that needle. <laughs> Laying back on the couch, sunglasses on, rub, passes his hand over his face. Oh, he's up like a light. Just change it. Don't touch that needle. That's right. You do not touch that needle. But yeah. So anyway, uh, Fantasy Cities and where to find them? We're off on them. Okay. Off the rails on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, as we're ending up, uh, we're going to go into bonus content in this one. Don't worry. It's not too bad. Um, yeah. Absalom. We're going to go there next. Yeah. We're, we're going to yeah, take you to Absalom. Because Pathfinder has generated a lot of good material, a lot of great campaign settings. Uh, but one of the lesser known, I, I think less praised things, some of their campaign settings have been rightly praised. Uh, but Absalom, their contribution to the great fantasy city uh, collective that is out there, uh, their contribution is remarkable, uh, to say the least. Uh, you can tell at a glance that the people who prepared this had also experienced the products that we mentioned before, mm-hmm. and they knew going in what they were trying to live up to. And oh, it's a heck of a challenge, okay? This is not an easy genre into which to delve. Like, man, are, like, how do we go into this and wind up not looking lackluster? Like, we just attempted to do something similar to these great efforts of yesteryear. Uh, how do we make it look so good that we belong in that winner's circle? 
Uh, well, <clears throat> Absalom and the box set for same show that not only did they try, uh, this was not a swing and a miss moment. This was pow out of the park. Yeah, you belong here alongside the other champions in the like retired stud paddock. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the challenge in making any fantasy city and just break it down real quick. It's a balancing act because the only people who are going to buy the city supplement for the most part are DMs, people who are going to directly develop and make this material come to life. So you have to provide a lot of substantial information for them to be have the same basis. In fact, that they're going to be running it. So you have a, a place like Lankmar, yeah, that's well uh, covered in fiction, even though Fritz Lieber changed it from time to time. And you have Waterdeep, which has a diverse cast of authors coming in and out and changing the setting as they go through. So that has to be kept up with as well. So you have all this lore, you have all these details, and you also have to put in stats. And these are very boring things. So to make it exciting and to keep that passion alive, you have to incentivize not only the imagination, but also the players. And getting the players involved in this is through the auspices of the DM who has to narrate and present this material to them. So the more things you can put out, maps, uh, areas that clue them in on where to go, what to do, uh, a list of inns and taverns and and cat houses, places of interest that they're going to want to visit and explore. These are the materials that you have to have, and it's a balancing act between those two. So I think with Absalom, City of Lost Omens, it was a hardback book. And much like the Forgotten Realms that we mentioned before, Waterdeep in the North, they also provided a city system with it as well. So we'll be covering that when we get back. So we're going to bid you adieu, and we'll be back with some bonus content. So stick around. And welcome to bonus content. Hey, the dice is screaming. Me and Mike We're talking about Absalom, City yeah. of Lost Omens from Paizo, and our bonus content of fantasy cities and where to find them. Yes. Now, where to can find you them and how to grind them? <laughs> Why don't you explain since this is bonus content now? I, I wanted to kind of keep it quiet, uh, encourage people to listen to the end. If you've listened this long, boy, I'm, I feel sorry for you, but this will be our apology for that. So, where is the source, sir? Where did you come up with the crazy title, Fantasy Cities, and where to find them? Where, where's the oh, source? Oh, come on. I mean, that's uh, J.K. Rowling. That's, I, you know, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Uh, I just wanted to riff on Actually, that. I thought you were going with uh, Ralph Crumb, but uh, all right. Really? Yeah. Yeah. About drugs and where to find them. Oh, the fabulous Freak Brothers. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, man. I remember the fabulous Freak Brothers comics. <laughs> Those were such rarities. Like, you know, we weren't they... supposed to be able to read them. Correct. <laughs> they weren't meant for us. Yeah. That. Why, you remember the days when the comic book shop had a special section <laughs> with, with everything in wrappers? <laughs> I snicker. Yeah, yeah, like right after graduation. Yeah, that, that, that worked. But anyway, yeah, we always found a way to sneak a peek. After we graduated from high school, like those sections yeah. were no longer restricted yep. to us. So, you know, I was like, okay, so what is it that's there? I mean, like, how bad can it be? And to my surprise, a lot of it was not as awful as I had imagined. It was just that, like, yeah, okay, uh, you should not have, like, hippies snorting all kinds of cocaine. 
Dude, that big old cartoon nose was for. <laughs> oh, that's why he has a big nose. Oh. <laughs> well, and that's why he's going to have a deviated septum. <laughs> Poor Steve. He's going to have a one giant single disco uh. coke bat nostril. <laughs> so yeah, we're done. Let's we're off. But yeah, yeah, we're that, off the we back on the road. Back on the road. Come on. Okay. Yeah, that well, was my I, fault. I just riffed on. A name, and that's a cool. name that gets uh, <laughs> fantastic cities and where to find them. Um, but <clears throat> I, I wish I had referenced the Fabulous Story Freak Brothers because that's a much better deep cut than Rolling. Wild Drugs and Where to Find Them. Yeah. Um, so, Absalom uh, City of Lost awesome, Omens. Bro. It is a, uh, it resembles a lot FR1, uh, Water Deep in the North. It is a 400 page hardback boy just a big old honking hardback and it breaks down pretty much in the boring text that you would expect in a history government law and crime blah 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 cultures and customs yeah hey, okay hey you know what i like all of that stuff that i know i look at lying okay you're I'm, yada yada yadaing all the best parts you know? i mean you can't yada 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 <laughs> politics law and crime <laughs> look i'm being facetious here because you know who you know who I'm, I'm riffing off of is Brian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just you and me to the heart of the matter. How my character can become ruler of the city. Yeah. Uh, how many XPs? If I kill everybody in it. <laughs> yep. What's the total number of GPs that can be, be like fleeced out of this? Yeah. There's trade and industry, the Shadow War. Uh, I can't believe it's so hard to find good sweet rolls in this skeever hole of a city. <laughs> so it also breaks down the city. And it's various districts, the uh, Ascendant Court, the coins, which are predominantly the area of trade in bank and commerce. Abdar, the god of wealth, features very large in Galarian. Uh, the docks, which I wonder what happens at the docks. Hmm. Um, Eastgate, where, which side of the city is Eastgate on again? <sighs> the... <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> uh... <laughs> yep. What color was Grant's white tomb? Uh, blue. <laughs> oh man! Ford Quarter, the Ivy District, the Petal District. Whoa! All right, the Precipice Quarter because it was an earthquake. The puddles. Well, yeah, that, that well, doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't bode well. Bring waiters. Um, the Westgate and the Wise Quarter, and then of course the Undercity, and of course Cox about all the things. Um, there's. Uh, Weapons, drugs, and of course the various ancestries that are available to this area. Now, <clears throat> there's a special hardcover bound edition here, leather bound that uh, is very nice, a nice silver fancy faux leather book, bind and ribbon bookmark. It's very very fancy, very fine. But the one we're going to talk about is Beatles and Grimm's Gold Edition. Now, this book is all you need to run Absalom. I'm just going to say that. Runs oh, yeah. The 400-page Superbook, it, like, that's all you need. Uh, it, it It's ridiculously comprehensive and includes everything that is necessary. So we got a huge However, however uh, that gold edition is something else. Uh, Beatles and Grimm, if you're familiar with them, they do a fine job of, like, okay, you got some extra money to spend? Well, here you go. Give it to us. We'll make you spend it. It is... How do, can I see? It's extravagant it 
Uh, when I say that this was the hit it out of the park moment, I am referring to the gold edition. Uh, the 400 page book itself is a terrific piece of work, wonderfully fleshed out uh, and filled with all of the details. You, you are gypped in terms of nothing. You, nothing is taken from you or diminished so badly that it, like it's less effective. I, I have to say it's a winner of a product in either edition. However, if you want the version that lives up to all of the greatest box sets in the history of gaming regarding like cities, oh boy, does Beetle and Grimm's deliver. It uh, comes with coasters. Look, freaking <laughs> coasters. Who does that? They did. Yeah, <laughs> you name it. They, they went overboard on everything. Uh, like little physical models of the coins. Uh, like relevant badges of the things related the to Arcanium, the Arcanium, the uh, Aspis Consortium, the, oh. uh, the badge of the Law Keepers. Oh. The cards with various rumors relevant to and accurate to the things going on in the city. Not just like we had AI crank out a batch of random rumor cards. Oh, there might be They're in different, written in different hand script. Yeah. <laughs> Rumor cards that you can give out to various players as they make their gather information rolls. NPC cards and location. Uh, like, Yeah, every major NPC has a large standing of, so you can show like the players. I mean, just, like, you know, what is it? Like, those are, what is it, six by eights? Or, yeah, six by eights. Uh, and they, they fold out so that you can have one end facing the players and one end facing you. The player's version includes no information, just the picture of the person they're dealing with, while the DM side, on the other hand, displays all of the data that you would need. Okay. Yeah, the secrets oh, that they know. and So impressed. And then on top of that, then they have location cards. So if you want to go to the uh, Cheliax temp Embassy, that's the first one on here. It'll tell you what NPCs you can, on the front. You can just show the players what this looks like as you approach it, and then it'll show you on the on the back facing the DM. It'll tell you all the NPCs present, the various <laughs> stat blocks that you would need for this. Pardon me. Okay. Yeah, little Mountain Dew down the wrong program. I got you. And then on top of that, real handouts of all sorts of. Just not ones. That, okay, print it out at your leisure. They, they're already printed out, and they're some of them are. Uh, they look like haphazardly scrawled ink drawings or, or something hastily uh, penned out. But all of them are relevant. They have uh, battle maps. They have a little campaign, pre-generated characters. Oh, yeah, it, the list is almost endless. Just the map they case alone nothing. is. But to speak of the city of Absalom, the details that are provided for us, uh, it is as comprehensive as Waterdeep ever was. Right. Uh, every like section of town, uh, and you know every uh, they have not microed every single house on every single oh, street. Oh, they have not. Okay. Yeah, but. While the creativity, because again, like I said, they learned their lesson by watching the past masters, okay? And then they proceeded to present their own work that was on that level in every respect. Uh, if you overpopulate it, if you fill every blank on every street corner, you kill it. There's nothing left for other creatives to input. And there's nothing left for people to improv when like players go off the rails, which... 
It's a gaming thing. It happens. You have to be ready for that. Uh, having no room for DMs to fudge a little here or Improvise, introduce a thing yeah. that they want. Uh, if you give them no wiggle room, they just have no use for that product. Uh, so finding that perfect balance, which once again, they lived up to, uh, they filled out more than enough to give you the character and flavor and general issues, uh, like the, the big nascent stars in any given area. Uh, you've got all your appropriate NPCs uh, and a reasonable number of businesses and or residences or uh, residences uh, and just enough is left open that you have the power uh, as a DM to shuffle a few things here and there and insert like, oh, you want a player's family member or you have a shop somewhere in there. Yes, there's still room. You can do it uh, without any grief. And uh, that maintains the fine tradition of like DM being like half uh, you know, person who recites the material and the other half is the creator, like the, the person who makes the material, which yeah, it's not the funnest part of the job for some people, but it's beloved to me. So, well, again, like you said uh, about our upcoming episode, they'll probably lead more into that. So that's a precursor of what, what's coming at you folks. But this one, uh, really hit me the right way because although it was rather expensive, it was over. Uh, it was currently when I bought it, two hundred and fifty dollars on sale with uh, shipping. It came in a huge box. And, <laughs> I mean, I was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like what? What the heck? I I thought it was just going to come in one single box. You know, pretty uh, normal bookshelf size. Yeah, the box is enormous, but uh, yeah, the box it came in. Holy cow! It was big. <laughs> Um, about <laughs> yeah, the size of Twilight Imperium, and uh, that's because it had the map case and had uh, the wooden coasters. They even come with their own little carrier. Yeah, look, um, there's a lot of detail in the city provided in the book, but just like when we mentioned the city system, this really brings it alive. This, if you want a fantasy city for the ages, um, even if you remove some of the Golarian specific stuff. You could still use this, and there's so much room. I mean, oh my gosh, when you talk about like, yeah, they just detail like about a hundred and some odd locations out of the huge scope of the city. It's like, okay, so I'm gonna create a place like New York City, and I'm gonna only detail about maybe 200 places. You would not even scratch the surface of the potential of what you would encounter of just shops, restaurants, and businesses. So that's exactly what they provide here as an extensive overview. And they let you fill in some of the details for yourself, but they provide what is necessary for the setting and the campaign for it to exist, specifically dealing with ambassadors and other areas that have influence in this area of the inner sea. So we have come full circle from the beginnings of gaming fantasy cities to the end. Yeah. And where we are right now. And look, if that's the continuing evolution. I have no idea what might happen next, but if they're any good at all, uh, they will model themselves after some of the things that we have presented here, because uh, we really tried to capitalize on uh, displaying the greatest moments in fantasy city uh, publications uh, in gaming mm -hmm. that 
the things that have been the greatest use, uh, the widest degree of flexibility in terms of moving them from system to system, borrowing the concepts and you know, putting them into your particular game or atmosphere, uh, whatever system you're using. These have been some of the big ones that anybody can harvest from. And as you know, we are huge fans of great DMs do not borrow, they steal. Uh, so <laughs> these are all things that, man, uh, if you have never used them, uh, track them down online, uh, give them a glance. Even if you decide not to buy outright, um, an examination of these products will probably flood the DM with ideas because they sure did for us. The city system and the Forgotten Realms, uh, Waterdeep in the North, uh, at the time I was a big Greyhawk advocate. Didn't like it seemingly how like Greyhawk was getting bypassed for the more, literally it fit the meme that is now, you know, the guy with his girlfriend. And, you know, it would be me with Greyhawk on my arm. And, <laughs> you know, here comes Forgotten Realms past me. You're like, ooh. <laughs> I, and Greyhawk is looking at you like, ah, what? <laughs> Sorry. You know, when I was first introduced to it, I, I read through it just once. <clears throat> Mike had a spare copy sitting on the table one night, and I just, you know, we were playing Forgotten Realms, and I just thumbed through it, and I'm like, I, next day I went out and bought it. Yeah. I, and then City System came out, and I'm like, this is what should have happened a long time ago, but I still remember Lankmark very fondly. City of Adventure is still stands well on its own. Uh, yeah, and I'm still jealous that uh, like Greyhawk did not get that treatment uh, to the degree that it should have. Yeah, they came out with a box for around about the transition time from first to second uh, City of Adventure, as it was called. And it wasn't bad, No, but it wasn't what... I don't feel like it lived up to its potential the way some of the things we mentioned here did. Like, uh, right. not in the sense that the Lankmar City of Adventure did, uh, not in the sense that the Waterdeep in the North did, uh, or the city systems or Absalom. And, oh, I do want to give honorable mention to Ravnica City of Guilds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were going to talk about that, yeah. That was the magic crossover, <laughs> the MTG crossover that WOTC presented as a fantasy campaign setting. And I got to say, I approve because yes, it's awesome. it was a remarkable, like they did not uh, commit the cardinal sin of trying to make D&D more magic-ish. Uh, instead, they went the other route, which is like, hey, can we bring MTG into a place where it is a great deal more D&D-like? Like, yeah, and the, the factions uh, and the rivalries and, uh, you know, tense political... Uh, you know, backstabbery and uh, competition, you know, in a city just governed by guilds, like powerful houses. Uh, Very Lankmar-esque. A wonderfully Machiavellian uh, atmosphere. I got to say, that was a quality product. I, whatever my disputes with them, that does not affect my ability to rate material that is put out. So Look, Magic it was has... Good stuff. Uh, was Coast has had some of the best brand developers yeah and artists and writers of our time okay we people may not recognize them oh they're not like artists and they're not like ijx okay great you know mm -hmm. what i'm i'm not even gonna fight on that one no but but that's a different time and if we constantly keep our gaze fixed in the past i wouldn't even say that gygax was the greatest but he was the guy who was there in the beginning 
and he was one of the most prolific and determined creators uh, in games. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and he was surrounded, like he emerged from and built and fostered a community of people who were also like-minded mm -hmm. creators. Mm -hmm. So yeah, special credit award goes for that. Was he the absolute best? Well, no, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, that's subjective. When you show up first and you blaze a trail that then everybody else goes, oh, I want to try that. You get a special little place on the mantle where like, mm -hmm. yeah, we all remember you because before you, other people weren't doing it. And if it weren't for you, we might not have any of it. So yeah, special honoree. Well, but right. I mean, but we've had so many good talented artists and creators and oh, writers yeah. come through Wizards of the Ghost Paizo and you know they're look Wizards let a lot of them go I just saw some names uh that Paizo they expanded their um stable up to four they've got 40 full-time did they start tendering offers to some of the best people that like the indie oh of course they did <laughs> and you look at like how RuneQuest is doing with Chaosium and Call of Cthulhu uh even more stuff coming out like uh you know that every year it's just yeah they're just reaching the top oh, i mean it, i mean uh, the the writing at chaosium has always been superlative yeah really sharp cats okay uh, make no mistake which i <laughs> i love that uh, that one fella he uh, liked what i said oh. about uh, orpheus and rhinestones oh yeah nick bro yeah, yeah, Nick. Burke. We haven't talked to Nick Burke in a while. I got. We were supposed to have a uh, an interview with him, but uh, you know he does live on the other side of the planet, so it makes it a little harder for us to get together. Yes, it's a little bit of a road trip to go across the Atlantic. No, but good fella, good yeah. fella. I mean, he gets it. You know, he gets um, the mythological archetypes, right? And so he, he liked the, the Orpheus and my rhinestone um, ideas. Also, you know, like we cover. We covered it at a time when he was, you know, it, it was just starting to trend upwards. So we hit it at the right time. I, we need to go back to do some. Uh, I haven't uh, been to the Jonestown Collective in a while. So I hear they're doing some fine work with that C's uh, stuff. I heard somebody uh, disparaging about there's a lot of fr frontal female nudity in these supplements. My dude, this is RuneQuest. If you are not ready to see some boobas, you're. I, yeah, and I don't know how to break it to you, but like history, uh, you know, the, the history of art, like there's not a single history of art, statuary and things like that, that can be placed in a PG section. Uh, like if you have a library or a bookstore or what have you, that is like children are allowed. Mesopotamian, Sumerian yeah, you, uh, fashions. Like you literally, you have to throw the whole thing out because there is absolutely no way. I mean, if you want to child proof this, then I get it. You're going to have to wait until college before any of history and any of art is available to you. Because the entire, and it's not just the patriarchy going for like, let's show off some boobies. Uh, it like they're dongs galore. Okay. It just, it's, <laughs> it's like it's, a Game of Thrones episode. Thank you. You know, they're just buttocks <laughs> quivering. I didn't know there were going to be this many penises. Yeah. It, it's very off putting. Okay, it's very off-putting uh, for people who have not had that, like, get your feet wet. Right, to... and if you're trying to market this to kids, yeah, RuneQuest is... A, is no, a, it, don't. It is not easy to market <laughs> I, on that. You, you can do... You can edit a version to play with the family at home. 
you know, yes, the starter set is perfectly fine. That's, that's a DM exercising their prerogative and making sure that the material is appropriate to the audience. That is the DM's responsibility. But should the game not have any of these things in it, like in a Bronze Age centered, I think they were trying mentality. to make an. Uh, to be honest, I think they were trying to generate some controversy by trying to like say, well, it's a bunch of. Old, or white guys making putting a lot of female nudity in there until, of course, the uh, one of the artists is a woman. And a transgender at that just basically said, no, you need to re- be careful about how you accuse people of this because, yes, there has been some needless female nudity, but what we're trying to do here is not only just uh, historical but artistic. Not yeah. just, uh, it's not lurid. Yeah, there's whole sections of statuary that will never be seen by eyes. If uh, oh yeah, those British Victorian Egyptian archaeologists. Oh, cover yourself! Oh, the ancients were filthy beasts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uncovering the Greek ruins was must have been uh, shocking for them. Oh Lord! (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and that's. we're not even talking about the Hellenic period. We're talking about the classical. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of men hugging. <laughs> oh, they, oh boy. they were big fans of wrestling. Yeah, you go with that. Look, they're playing leapfrog. <laughs> I think that one fellow's winning. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. That's it. We're going to, all right, we're trying to do a close. so off the road. But yeah, uh, the folks at RuneQuest have created some marvelous cities too. Like they have yeah. brought to life that Estrolia. splendor and uh, confusion. And then you know, the Lunar that, Empire. Yeah. Uh, Magnificence and squalor side by side. Yeah, the duality of the Red Goddess. Oh. All right. But before we break out in the song again and, and drive you mad. We're going to sign off here. Call it quits. Before the sirens lure you into the rocks. Uh, This is the end of our section. Uh, Our bonus content, just to give Absalom a proper view. uh, Because there was so much more that needed to be spoken of. Uh, I'm glad I mentioned Ravnica. They get an honorable mention. I mean, it's not the most... It's not as impressive as the optional materials presented in our earlier discussed items. But they're pretty darn. It's a pretty darn good example of a fictional Magic: The Gathering scenario being transformed into a well-fleshed-out city campaign zone. I thought it was a smart product. Yeah, I, I totally approve. I love it. So, all right. Well, we hope you enjoyed our little journey here, and of course, as we wind it up <laughs> into our devolving degenerate natures, we have, of course, uh, enjoyed making this podcast for you. So, hey, uh, always. Uh, Look at that old Facebook uh, group, Dice is Screaming. Uh, you can comment on that. Um, some changes are coming up for Spotify. We're going to keep you up to date on those, but uh, don't fear. We have plans with. I see plans within plans. I see the great houses of the Lamstrock. Wheels turning within wheels. War. And wheels I see you behind. Yeah. Rolling down the road. See what I mean? So we. We'll keep you appraised of that, but fear not. We shall keep podcasting no matter what. They will have to come here and take our microphone away with us. Try it for my cold, <laughs> my cold dead, dead hands. hands. Yeah, exactly. All right. 
So we're going to sign off on that. We'll see you folks in the next time. So until that time, may the dice always roll in your favor. We're out. See ya. Thank you.